Welcome to the Initiative Podcast, helping you to change your culture, change your city, and change the world. We hope you enjoyed today's topic, and if you have any questions, feedback, or want to suggest a future conversation, feel free to reach out to us via social media or at hey at initiativenetwork.org. All right, people in America and other places um, that are very important outside the quote-unquote missionary term, the states. <laughs> That's not a missionary term. You only earn that right to call the states the states after you go on one single little mission trip. It's and not all just sudden, mission trips. Okay, and people that leave the country <laughs> <laughs> on that little airplane. Okay, guys, here is, here's the topic. We talked about it last, the end of the last podcast. We had a pastor send in some questions that he wanted answered for his church, and the last one was talking about trends that they should be aware of. This, another one that he put was, we realize millennials want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, or as we put it, change the world. They want to be a part of something that matters, that means something. Um, in the Business Journal article, they found that 53%... Uh, and this isn't a Christian article by any means, but 53% of the gen- millennial generation would take, they could, said, quote-unquote verbatim, would take a drastic pay cut in order to be a part of some, a job position that made a difference. Uh, so that's not all, but it is uh, more than half seem to not necessarily be in it for money, but they are in their job because they want to make a difference or would prefer to be in a job that makes a difference. So with that mentality... What we've noticed is millennials don't tend to get too plugged into the volunteer opportunities at a church because they want to. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We are having technical difficulties and emotional difficulties. It's hard for you to look at me and see me laughing and not laugh. I get it. <laughs> so here's the question, guys, to sum it all up. How do you get millennials involved in the everyday practical things of the church as well as support their vision and I would even say obedience to be outside the four walls of the church as the church. Um, it's really how do we do both and instead of making it a war between either or. You know, I want to start out with just my first initial thoughts and opinions on this is simply this is church is not just Sunday, man. So I think it's okay to have the normal events and the things that we do on Sunday. Obviously, that's our corporate time to worship. We do need greeters. We do need parking teams. But if that is all that we expect or if that's all that we desire from the church, then I think that has been a problem. That church building, after we leave on Sunday, does anybody think about that building from Monday to Saturday? And my thought is, is let's use it as a resource. Let's use it as a place we can meet. Let's open it up and make it available and then really have some programs in place where, and a lot of churches do. I'm not saying that they don't, but I think the, the both and is simply church doesn't just happen on Sunday. That building can be used for so many different things. And a lot of pastors I talk to say, I really do wish that I could use this building other days during the week. I don't know what caused them not to be able to. And Chelsea, you probably heard him say the same thing. But my thought is, is church doesn't just have to happen on Sunday. There's other things we could be doing there. There are so many different things that I could get into. But my initial thought is... Um, in 
a lot of churches in Europe, they have, you know, beautiful church buildings and they are known as community centers. They have hospitals, they have school, they have daycare. Hospitals in the church. Yes. Yes. On like the top floor, fifth floor or something like that. These buildings are huge and they are used so much for community centers and they have services on Sunday and it's beautiful, but they function as a church in such a different way. And so that is harder to imagine. And many years down the road from what I feel like, uh, the American church is at right now. Um, and it's not perfect to look at it that way, but I think about us and our ministry and how the, the offices that we're in, the only reason that we're able to be there is because a church opened its doors to allow us in. And so I completely agree with you, John. I think it, it's so cool to be able to see an actual church building um, function in serving the city. Now, how young adults play into that, Do you, can you speak into that, Grant? So I think with me and John, so we do a lot of um, – when we train the churches how to do local missions in their community – especially through small groups. We always make them do personality tests and even skill set tests with their people in their small groups. So they're they're leveraging people to do the work that God's already gifted them at. I do think that if you want to start leveraging people in the church to do uh, the practical, unavoidable things of the church, um, I think at least leverage them in a way where you 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 chose them for the purpose and it, you chose them because of the gifting God's already given them. And it's going to be hard and difficult to do that when you don't know your people too well or you only know the people that you guys are close to or the staff really knows. Because there might be people in the church that are gifted at certain things that you guys need, but you just don't know they're gifted at or they have a passion for things that you need, but you don't know they have a passion for it. So I think one thing I always thought – churches should and could do is uh yearly like just kind of test on their people just yeah assess who's in the church like we just should know our people like i've come to find just in i have so thought and if i ever run into a problem with initiative or in my own life i always feel like uh bigger problems where it's like man i don't know how to do this or i don't know where i'm going to learn how to do this my immediate thing is like God has resourced the church, and for me, I'm, I know the church and people in the church of Dallas, that there is someone God's already gifted. If it's a legal matter, then I'll talk to them. If I need help with no, getting a car fixed, yeah. then I'm going to yeah. talk to someone that knows how to do that. If I don't know how to lead a team, I'm going to talk to some leader in the church that I know. Everything, I think, has already been provided for through the people of God in, I think, even individual churches. So if you knew your people, then... It's like, man, I'm calling you because I know you're good at this, and I, want, I really need your help in blank. Uh, all of a sudden, it's not so, no small matter. It's not a cookie-cutter position that you're saying, come one, come all, fill one of these five positions. It's like, we picked you on the Connect team because you love people. You right. are an encourager. You're searching for that person that's never been to church before. They just seem like they're alone, and you want to talk to them. All of a sudden, I'm like, man, this is bigger than just showing up from – 30 minutes before and making sure everyone feels welcome. It's like, I feel like I'm on mission in this. I think that's a start. 
is you're you're empowering your people based on the gifting that God has already given them, and now they're on mission. You know, I think it's really interesting is because me and Grant do get the opportunity to go into the churches and do this. We just doing this for several years. This simple assessment is a simple tool that we use, but we can sit back because we have them do a little exercise together. And before we even assess them, just watching them interact with one another, me and Grant are already calling out what they are. We, we're, we're telling them <laughs> what they are. Yeah. And then we say, okay, now take the test. Yeah. And then they're like, how did you know that? Well, the hope would be if the church could get to that point where they, they know how they want to assess and how they want to go, how they want to actually pull that information from congregants or members, how amazing it could be when it comes to placement. Yeah. And I think about the people that we may have on our greeting teams who are leading greeting teams. And I know there's a person I type that really doesn't like doing that. They yeah. really don't thrive in that. And there's probably a reason why we walk into so many churches today and we don't get a warm, authentic, like, I love you so much. I want you to be here because the person that's sitting there doing that honestly probably doesn't need to be doing that. They have a better skill set and a gift that would be placed in other places. With Absolutely. The church. And it brings me then to the word you used placement and placing people in those things. Okay. So now you have this person that is so empowered by the way that God has created them. Now let's think about the position in being something that God created. Also greeting team. What is the purpose? What is the vision behind greeting team to say hello on Sunday morning? Okay. Somebody that that really has a passion to see people welcomed probably has the gift of hospitality, right? And so what kind of vision can you give to the, that team? I would prefer not to say the greeting team. What kind of vision can you give? Man, you're going to be the person that when somebody walks in, they want to feel connected. Mm -hmm. They want to feel like they are at home. Okay. That's kind of like connecting. Let's call it a connecting team and really give that vision so that standing at those doors means so much more than waving your hand with a smile on your face. Right. Well, if it was called the story team. And you've got to be on this team because the only way you win or succeed in this, you've got to know people's story. It's so (laughs) much bigger than just, oh, you shook their hand or made them, like, greet them with a smile. It's like, yeah. But, okay, I want to, at the end of service, I want to hear stories. Like, man, I met this person. They're here. They're new. Then all of a sudden, it's like, man, this is awesome. I'm like, you know, it's entering into people's lives a lot more than just I said hi to a lot of strangers, which it's it's not saying it's a bad thing. It's taking a good thing and then making it an even greater thing. And I think you, you, you're you just giving so much more value and vision and uh, souls. I think when it's ever can be around souls, people are just going to get energetic. It is You cannot love Jesus and then start seeing people's souls kind of open up. Or change and not like be, man, I want more of it. It's addicting. It is like cocaine to be a Christian and see lives change and like people feel like they belong. People feel like I'm accepted. People feel like I just don't think you can follow Jesus and not get that. Like, man, I want more of it. So, you know, and I agree with that. And I would say that if we're going to keep it on the topic, just as an example of a greeter, quote unquote greeter, Mm -hmm. then let's talk about the word secretary, how almost belittling it is today to say that's my secretary. Yeah. But you give a title like chief of staff and you really flesh that out, flesh that out. That's good, John. Um, and then give that vision that you're talking about, Chelsea, and really have them, um, they just see that, they just see the power that's behind the, the possibility and the position itself. I have something kind of funny to say is that, so 
who usually needs a secretary? Visionaries, right? Right. So visionaries are wonderful. I'm talking with two of them, <laughs> You're so to two I will of them tread right now. lightly. Like, but you go into this, Chelsea? Visionaries can be kind of chaotic sometimes, and secretaries usually really like order. And so, what purpose is more invigorating to somebody that's going to take that position in being able to say you are putting necessary order? To chaos. And that that is said kind of harshly, but honestly, just realistically, that visionary needs that order, and that order person needs something to order. That's right. No, and that's right. And that's what I'm saying is, and you have that right fit in that right place, if we don't have the vision as you're talking about, and somebody is not on staff telling people who are chief of staffs or people who are, okay, whatever Grant said just a moment ago, and he gave that title, man you're going to lose something in that because they don't know the vision behind it and they don't understand their purpose. And Hey, we really did match your gift and skill set with your title. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and you're speaking of something like, I think that is deeper in, man, it is, it affects your mentality of church and you being a, a member or an owner, like you feeling the kind of ownership that the staff feels paid staff. And I think it is titles. Like I think titles do matter. Y'all have heard me say before, if, First Corinthians four one said that we should be regarded, not that we should even claim it, but we should be regarded as stewards of the mysteries of God and followers of Christ. That is names that I want to have, like the steward stewards of the mysteries, the mystery of God. Of God. And I, I feel it. like too often in the church we don't give awesome legit titles like Jesus gave, and Jesus even gave new names. So why would we give people that are supposed to be, according to the scriptures, stewarding the mysteries of God? And then call them volunteers or call them terms that just are not exciting to I'm proud to wake up and say, no, I am this and I do this. Uh, The pastors, I think it's hard for us to to understand that because we have those titles that we're excited to say. But should only 5% of the church have that and then the 95 are just? Like I never want the people of God. And this might just be a personal preference. But if I was a pastor, and I think especially for millennials that think about millennials, they're always going to be for the first couple years of their life be interns or just an intern, just a secretary, just a lowly position. But at church, that's the one place where I can be something that matters. And not just because the church gives it to me, because God has told the church to give me the type of authority that I don't deserve and I'm not worthy of. But they trust me in it because I get to steward the mysteries of God. So having titles that make you be excited to own it instead of just saying, oh, I'm just. We should, I feel like as people of God, the people of God should never have to say, I'm just, when it relates to the souls and eternities of men and women. That's good. That's really good. So we've talked about several different things. Uh, just to recap here is that we've talked about church is not just church on Sundays, that we need to uh, open up the church and make it more available Monday through Sunday, if you will. And then we really could flesh that out, but I think that's for a future podcast. Right. Lots to think about there. But secondly, we're talking about empowerment and what is your positioning. We're, we're also talking about um, assessment. So mm-hmm. assessment and then given the title. And, and Grant, I love what you just said. I think that's very, very important. So I, I hope that those of you who are listening are like sponges and you're taking that in because I think there's a lot of value in what you just said. Yeah. But taking us into a new direction, if you will, if the pastors are asking how, how might we really make it where they are at church on Sunday and helping us run this thing, which takes 
a lot of people. It takes a lot of moving parts and pieces to do this, to, to corporately come together and worship and hear the word of God. But how do we now transition also into what do we do with our space? What do we do um, with those who we send? Uh, what, what, what do we do with those who we actually empower to send and go? And there's things like budgets. There's things like finances that they need. Do you guys want to talk about anything right now that they could be doing and could be using them for as they send? I think that's what they're going to be looking for. Do you, do you, I, mean, I do. It's a good question. I mean, help us. So let me, let me right, give you an example. Around, so I'm going to turn it around. So I just threw this out, and they're going to pass the ball back <laughs> to me. Because this is why so many people are asking the question. So, for instance, me and Grant, I keep coming back to this. We train churches how to do local missions, how to be on mission uh, in the communities they, that they live in. A lot of people are like, I want to serve my community. I want to serve with the elementary school down the road. I want to know who my municipal leaders are. So a church that is a dear friend of our ministry said, well, what if we empowered people with the finances? What if we helped give them a little bit of push? What if we gave them $100 for anybody who chooses to go and do? Now, some churches are like, wait a minute. I don't have $100 to give to everybody. We're talking about $100 for a community group to go and do something. When I say stuff like that, does that give you any ideas whenever a church says, let's think outside the box? Let's... Let's empower you, but also help you a little bit financially. If you have a great idea, what if there was like a, a brainstorming box, if you will? Or if, what if there was a place to That's vent or something? Because I'm thinking, Grant, how do we get good ideas here at Initiative? Is we usually schedule a time to come together <laughs> and we say, hey, what ideas do you guys have? I have one idea. It would be so abnormal. I want to hear this, man. It. Let's do it. If I was at a church that did it, I would love it. But I'm not. I, I feel Come like, on, man. Let's draw it yeah, out. Yeah, you're dude. not normal. Yeah, That's I true. don't feel like I'm normal. So I don't feel like this could speak for our whole generation. But it could speak for a portion. With how entrepreneurial the millennial generation is right now, um, seems like a lot of young adults don't want to work at a 9-to-5 job that is for a big corporate company that they don't even know the CEO and the, don't really know the vision. They're just, like, told what to do. That's not... I don't see many millennials that want to. They, I see a lot of young adults, at least here in Dallas, that are joining the non-profit, not non-profits, uh, like entrepreneurial startup kind of stuff. Well, with that mentality, that's not that doesn't make up for everyone, but there's a large portion of young adults that are that way. Maybe a type of Shark Tank oh uh, my goodness. My, at a my show specific, like, and because we we get asked this question a lot, it's like, okay, you guys are talking about a different type of paradigm of how to reach millennials, and it's a lot of empowerment, it's a lot of authority, yeah. it's a lot of this. And it's a lot of helping helping them create the ideas that at least instill the values in our own vision with the values of the church. But maybe it's like we're so serious about you guys owning it that you guys we are like have five hundred to maybe a thousand dollars to pitch to fund whatever idea you guys have to better like reach the millennial generation. Um, and they got to come up with the idea. I love that. And what do you, Chelsea, go ahead. I, I and they got to pitch respond. it. They got to do it all. And maybe it's even constructive criticism in the verbal skills of doing that pitch for uh, even the losers. At least you still, you're getting training yeah. and getting spoken into. You're being heard. Young adults have not gotten much of that. There's that voice. I love giving that place at the table. I like what you're saying, Grant. Chelsea, what do you think? I mean, I think it's an incredible idea, and I would love if a church did that. I, I think it'd be so <laughs> fun. And I think, honestly, for me, this could just be me, but it connects back to one of the first things that we talked about in knowing your people. 
I was thinking when Grant was talking and, and, you know, saying that I was like, okay, so how do you develop that trust to know that when you do that shark tank, you're not just going to waste your time. How do you develop that trust? You know, your people, you know, your people are going, yeah, you know, your people are going to bring valuable ideas to the table and knowing that is going to come from those assessments. It's going to come from really knowing and, you know, learning your people. And I I think that's awesome. And a good little way to know your people, little old school word from the B-I-B-L-E. Called discipleship. Oh my <laughs> I thought we were going to go there, okay. but I knew it would come. No, we we don't have to go there. And I know that's going to be a future, future podcast. podcast. It's just a point. If you if your people in the church are discipling people, they will know your people. So that doesn't mean you, as a pastor or a staff, needs to know the people. It's like your people know the people, and you know those people that know the people. You know, it's so interesting. And I'll I'll, I'll even give name in church because that's I will praise like what he's doing. You know, then Bible Church, um, Jason Fanning's their youth pastor. He said they don't even have a roster for their youth. It's around two to four hundred. Uh, I don't know how youth. to keep up with all those names. And he says they don't have something for that, like an email database. He just has it for the leaders who then send it out. Like they have their own forms of communication for each person. And he says, but he knows everything that's going on because it all just bubbles up through wow. the relationships. He says they don't need to because everyone's deci- – the people that are discipling cover everything. And he was even saying, for example, I just found out today that this girl who I don't – I've only met once uh, like where I've got to really hear her story. But she's like going through this with her mother right now. And it's just like it all bubbles up because it's all – it's like on the rails of relationships and discipleship. So I, I know it wow. works. So it's all about being known. So it's knowing your congregation. And then I like this idea of thinking outside the box where, man, if now I don't know because I've never pastored a church, but if I've got my entire congregation there, I've got a large group of millennials in my church, they are like, okay, one, I want to go out and change, you know, and work in the city because Christ calls us to do that. We shouldn't look like anybody else in the city, right? We're the lights of the world. Um, but now I want to go and do Man, through the power and the creativity and all the resources that the church has, Grant, you recommended a Shark Tank, which I'm a huge fan of because, one, I'm a Mark Cuban fan, but, two, I love watching <laughs> the show. I am a nerd when it comes to that stuff. But imagine if we did something like that. Imagine if we did have a place and a space, which we've talked about today, where we could just vent and have great ideas. I, I don't know how many young adults that we have sat around and they just have ideas. And sometimes we take those. We're like, man, those are really cool. And then some are just really awful. But but the fact of the matter is, is I love hearing those awful ideas as well because sometimes you can just tweak those enough yeah. to yeah. do powerful Absolutely. things it's with, true. right? It's That's true. where I was like, even well, if even if like five people apply, one person wins, I'm sure the four were good. They just didn't win. So mm-hmm. like, I, it's like when we come up with ideas, you lost technically but we still want you to do that idea. It's like, are you going to tell <laughs> yeah. him? Man, that was really good. We actually could really use that idea here. We just can't fund it. Do <laughs> you think you could yeah, still do it? it? Like, And I think you get to see where people's hearts are like, at the least, at the least, if, even if none of them get done, you get to hear and see, man, my young adults seem to really care about blank. And on that, John, I want you to speak on, you talk about like the whole Smithsonian deal and how yeah. our generation is going this direction. Um, I think that kind of plugs into that mentality. And then the reality is like humanity is something that the church is all about. It's about people. So it's tapping into the strength, the resource, the direction that millennials are kind of going. Yeah. And what Grant's talking about, I'm glad you kind of brought that up is, is 
is we, we had a friend that kind of spoke on, I was at the Smithsonian, and they had all of these things that um, were listed in the Smithsonian. You had the Model T, and then you went down and went through Okay, real quick. You may, me, it, maybe me and you. No, 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 no. That is exactly what, just what is, tell us of the Smithsonian. Maybe I am the most least educated person. I don't feel like. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe maybe a lot of people don't. I think yeah, that's good maybe that you're, my, you're telling me that. My so, education was terrible, so. Just okay, Smithsonian. Have we ever seen uh, <laughs> that movie with... with Ben Stiller? Yes. Is that the place yes. that he's in? Okay, that's so that's that the place. That is where he's that actually... in? The movie is set in Smithsonian? Yes. Yes. So it is at the National Mall, which that is not an actual mall. It is at Washington, D.C. It's where the U.S. Capitol, the White House, and sitting across from the White House, across from the National Monument, is this big museum that holds most of our national treasures, which is the Smithsonian. <laughs> treasure, Hope cool. Diamond's there. There's some of our... Notice how the only way we know these things... You know it because this is history. She keeps history quoting nerd. movies is how she knows it. So there's a lot of millennials who might not know this. Yeah, diamonds. Are, they have lots of diamonds there. There's on display. Chelsea's like, are there, is it our national treasure? It is a national treasure is what I should say. No, again, back to Grace's point. I was saying that's not the name of the movie. All right, <laughs> that's hey, not the movie. So Chelsea's confusing. To point, back please. to my point. Sorry. Pastors, all the pastors who just signed off. Come on. <laughs> so what, what, where he was going with that is, is when you walk, there's a specific piece of that um, – as you're walking through and you're seeing different things in history, there's a place where you come and there's great inventions that Americans were, were once known for. We created the vehicle, the, the Model T, and then you kind of go along and then all of a sudden you come up to the television and the, the radio and then the television and then all of a sudden there's a VCR and then you get to this place where there's just a, a cell phone and then next it's millennials and, and there's this generation and there's nothing there yet. And everything seems to get smaller and smaller and smaller and more efficient. And he just jokingly said, what are we going to be known for? And one of the things that I say is maybe that's going to be a blank space for a while because I really, really think that this generation is about humanity. This generation, not to say generations before weren't, but I really feel like this is a place where we're hearing a lot more about racial reconciliation. How do we help the poor? Uh, Again, all things that have happened in the past. But this is our opportunity. This generation is very passionate about that. A lot of global concern, too. A lot of global concern. And but what we're hearing, seeing is, I love my city. Mm -hmm. Um, How many bumper stickers do we see that say, "I love New York"? How many bumper stickers say, "I love Denton"? How many? We don't see one in Dallas yet. We are going to create that. But again, it's about humanity. And so, pastors, if you're listening, and how do we? empower people. I think we really need to be listening to the people is what we're really boiling down to is they've got lots of ideas. I'm not saying everybody does, but I guarantee you there's a percentage and a population in your church who just want to be heard. They need to be given an outlet is what we're saying to sum it all up. And then we need to create that space. And I think that they have great ideas. I think that there is that space in the Smithsonian that will one day really reflect what we were known for, what a better place to do it than from the local church. Mm-hmm. What a better, more power. That's, That's awesome. what Jesus set it up for. He didn't come here to set up a hospital. He didn't come up here to set up a nonprofit. He, he established the local church. Let is, let's use that as the catalyst who changes history. And, and so if you're really, what you're really asking is, is how do we play a role in that? And I'm telling you, you've got to give the people within the church a place and a space to vent that and then utilize that space. That's what we said. Monday through Sunday, it can't just be a Sunday thing. They've got to know they can do more than just wave a car in. Great things, not enough. So to recap, this is not either or. It's both and. Empower and leverage your people to uh, 
just walk in the manner worthy of the calling in which they have been called to serve in the practical ways of uh, the church and the gathering, which the Bible says not to forsake, as well as to go be the light of the world, as John said. Um, we also have, to, I think one of the best ways to know your people, we said, is uh, discipleship, is a way to intimately know them, know their gifting, to assess your church, and uh, to hear the young adults if you want to uh, utilize them, then hear them, know them, know where their heart and their what are their ideas, and when they get creative, which is going to like tap into their soul, where do they, where does their mind and heart go with their ideas, and then how do you leverage that uh, through the church? And then lastly, you just talked a lot about how Jesus didn't come for a nonprofit, he didn't come for a hospital, he came for the local church. Um, and I know another question is, how do we get millennials to value, like you guys value, the local church when they tend to be known for the exact opposite? So next podcast will be to end. How do young adults, how do you get your young adults to realize the kind of value that Jesus, who they love so much, valued and died for the bride of Christ? Um, thank you guys, and we will see you in the next podcast. Bye, guys.